0: Up, witches, welcome to my show. I am super excited to announce the launch of my official Patreon account. By supporting me, if you love my show or enjoying Sup Witches, you can have the chance to become an active participant in my creative process. As a member, you receive exclusive content, community access, behind-the-scenes updates, and the pride of fueling work that matters to all of the Witches community. From the most basic level as a basic witch all the way up to an enlightened master. I give you different opportunities to work with me one-on-one and become more intimate in the sub-witches community. I will link the content in the show notes to check out my Patreon account and I hope you will consider supporting the show. Have a wicked day. Hello and welcome to my show. My name is Lauren Coletti Thank you for joining me on this lovely day, wherever you are listening. I don't know which day I will release this, but I want to welcome everyone to today's episode where we're going to be having some real talk. Um, And I think I'm creating a new segment called Real Talk where we're going to talk all things deep, personal, and TMI potentially triggering. So please proceed with caution and practice self-care before, during, after listening to all episodes. Typically, I talk about fun, kind of raunchy things, such as sex and dating and my own relationship, but today we're going to be diving into the world of eating disorders as it is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, um, which holds a very special place in my heart. As many of you know, I am a survivor of a 10-year-long battle with an eating disorder, And I say 10 years because that was the thick of it. That was when I was in treatment. That's when I was receiving therapy for my eating disorder on medications, going in and out of the hospital. It is still something that I struggle with to this day. And oddly enough, there's never any coincidences in life as we know, but I'm kind of in the throes of my binge eating again currently. I've been really struggling the last week or so. And I felt it was appropriate to be completely transparent and honest with what's going on with me and my own struggles and what I found helpful versus harmful. So if you are struggling with disordered eating, an actual diagnosed eating disorder, uh, sugar exercise addiction, binge eating, all of it, uh, we're going to be talking about today. And I will wrap this up with discussing body wisdom, which I found to be immensely healing, As well as what's going on with NIDA, the National Eating Disorder Association, and what they're doing for uh, Eating Disorder Awareness Week, which is February 22nd to the 28th. So I'll probably put this out on Friday or Sunday. So I hope you enjoy listening to the show and let's get into it, shall we? Welcome to today's show. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it. Disordered eating, recovery, exercise addiction, body wisdom. What is it? And why does it matter? So as any of you who are listening, I'm assuming you've struggled with body image, um, self-esteem, perhaps disordered eating of some kind, perhaps it's emotional eating, compulsive, overeating. I've been there. I've had it all. So really I'm going to be talking about my own story when it comes to eating and raising awareness and my hope is that I can support those affected by eating disorders and through talking about it we can spread education and help each other feel less alone because I know how isolating and secluded it feels when you're going through an eating disorder. I started dabbling in bulimia when I was 12, 13 years old. I remember being very restrictive with my eating when I got onto the cheerleading team in middle school. You know, I was never a thin girl. Naturally, I was never skinny. I was always bigger than everyone. My dad used to joke and say I was big boned, which I'm sure he meant to be validating, but really just made me feel even worse. And I was born with a sadness inside of me. I don't know how to describe it. Perhaps it's past life stuff. Perhaps it's intergenerational trauma. But I don't remember a time in my life ever where I didn't feel like the odd one out, where I didn't feel like I was on the outside looking in. I always felt different and not in a good way. I think as I get older in my late 20s, I realize how rare and how special it is to be different and unique. Because in high school, we all wanted to be the same. We all wanted to look the same. We all wanted to listen to the same things. We all wanted to follow the crowd. Now, it's only really if you are different, if you have something unique to share and special that you will be recognized. So now everyone wants to be different. So it's interesting how the tables have turned. But I remember when I was like six years old, man, I was writing in my journal, wishing that I could be a beautiful swan like the girls in school, but instead I was the ugly duckling and I felt invisible. I felt like boys didn't notice me. I felt like people didn't like me and I blamed it all on my appearance. And if you've been listening to this for a while, you can see this pattern of internalized toxic shame. Shame for who I was, shame for what I looked like. Because I thought I was convinced and a part of me still is convinced that if only I'm beautiful enough, if only I lose X amount of weight, if only my hair is a certain color, if only I look like this, then I will be worthy of love. And it all comes down to wanting to be loved and accepted, but I never felt like I was. So in middle school, I got onto the cheerleading team and as a 13 year old girl, I wanted to be popular. I wanted to fit in and be part of the cool girls. And I was never popular. I was always, quote unquote, a loser. People bullied me. I was made fun of for my appearance. And it's really pretty sad because looking back at pictures of my adolescent self, like I just want to give myself a huge hug and just cry and just be like, I love you. And I'm so sorry for abandoning you. I think that self-betrayal is one of the most painful things we can deal with as humans, um, really leaving ourselves to accomplish an external goal goal or to get validation from other people to feel gratified so as i was in cheerleading i still wasn't accepted i still felt bigger i was always taller (laughs) i feel like a gazelle sometimes and pretty tall but i realized that if i do this if i do x then i will get y outcome and this dawned on me in health education in middle school we started learning about eating disorders And of course i think this is important super important for health educators to be in schools teaching our kids about their bodies but instead of being used as like a warning i gathered that information about eating disorders to my advantage at the time i didn't know about anorexia i didn't know about bulimia back then binge eating wasn't taken seriously it wasn't acknowledged um So I thought, okay, so if I don't eat, I'll lose weight and I'll be skinny because that's what the girl in the video in health class did. Or if I make myself vomit, then that will mean I can eat whatever I want. So I took that into account and I started researching eating disorders. I don't think we really had YouTube back then, so I don't know what I did. Maybe I went to the library (laughs) because laptops weren't really a thing back in like 2005. So I started dabbling in the world of disordered eating as young as like seventh or eighth grade. And I remember going to the school psychologist because I've always been a sensitive person. I always had a very strong inner voice and my inner wisdom, my intuition, possibly um, my spirit guides. I've always been uh, tapped into the other side were telling me I needed help. So I go to the school psychologist and she tells me I have an eating disorder. And I remember telling a girl on the cheerleading team, because I was super young, you know, I didn't know about gossip and, well, the word spread like wildfire my friends. Like she told everyone on the cheerleading team that I had an eating disorder. But at that time, I kind of wore it as a badge of honor. I was kind of proud of myself that... It's so warped, you know, when you have an eating disorder, it's a liar and it's very manipulative and convincing. So that eating disorder voice gets so loud and it was telling me I was special because I could refrain from eating food. And it was really proud of me. And I remember when I was never diagnosed with anorexia, um, I more so had bulimia, where I would go through periods of restricting my food. And I remember those moments where I would restrict my food and I wouldn't eat and I would... (laughs) be kind of like a self-righteous bitch where I would look at other people eating and kind of be like, oh, how pathetic they have zero self-control. Look at me with all of this self-control. And I truly thought that not eating that restricting was a sign of strength because I was not giving into my urges, not giving into my hunger. And it just got worse over the years Um, When I was in ninth grade, I started putting my finger down my throat. And during this time, I was going through a lot of distress and turmoil and chaos at home. My dad was dying. Um, He had cancer and I was being bullied. I started self-harming. And I truly believe that eating disorders, not only are they an addiction, but they are a way of harming ourselves and taking out that self-hatred on ourselves. It's a very implosive behavior and coping mechanism. Remember that eating disorders are coping mechanisms. So ninth grade, I started making myself throw up. And I, by the time 10th grade came around, we got a treadmill at my house. And I remember running on the treadmill for hours at a time. And I truly believe that I did have an exercise addiction because over the years, as it got worse, I would literally, quite literally, Skip social events to exercise. I would call out of work sick to exercise. So that for sure was a problem. It was a huge issue because when we are, things become an issue when they impact other areas of our life, right? So if I'm not hanging out with my friends, if I'm not going, following through with plans, or work or school. I also remember sometimes I wouldn't show up to class in undergrad to exercise because it's sort of an obsessive compulsive component to it, where if I didn't exercise for 120 minutes a day, I would have a panic attack. I would be filled with literally so much fucking anxiety and get anxiety attacks that I didn't work out for at least two hours a day. And it was so Obsessive to the point where I would calculate all my calories. I would calculate all the X amount of exercise I did or didn't do. And this was when I was in the depths and, and deep in the throes of my eating disorder. It becomes all consuming. And sometimes I truly do forget how horrible it really was because there were times in my life where I couldn't think about anything else. And I don't know if it's in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Health Disorders um, created by the American Psychiatric Association, but it was called uh, Eating Disorder Not Otherwise Specified. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. I don't have that pulled up in front of me currently. But it's kind of when your eating disorder is a shapeshifter. So that was my eating disorder. That was my experience where one year i was really all about restricting and the next few months i was buying laxatives and diuretics and taking diet pills and then a few weeks later i was binging and purging constantly throughout the day um and there's such a fucking shame aspect it's all about shame when it comes to eating disorders because if your eating disorder doesn't look a particular type of way You can beat yourself over the head constantly because I remember I went to treatment for my eating disorder two or three times and I was in a support group, which I highly suggest. But man, how competitive eating disorders are because let me tell you, the bulimics would be jealous of the girls with anorexia and the girls with anorexia would be jealous of the girls with bulimia. And no one would be jealous of the people with binge eating disorder because I remember thinking, oh, I wish I could just starve myself better. Like, what? And this wasn't me talking. This was my eating disorder talking. It's so consuming. It takes over you. And they are so competitive because you can't even get your eating disorder right. You're not even good at your eating disorder in your eating disorder mind. And how sad is that? So it was super hard and I take for granted sometimes that I don't feel like I have an eating disorder anymore. As I started out in the beginning of this episode, lately in the last week or so, I've been dealing a lot with emotional eating, binge eating in particular, which I struggled with for a few years where I wasn't purging anymore. I wasn't doing the chew and spit technique, which I used to do often where I'd chew my food and then spit it out in order to try to conserve some calories and get the pleasure from eating the food. It's just so twisted. Um, but binge eating is something that I've really experienced pretty severely where you feel completely out of control and You feel like kind of on autopilot as if someone took over your body and you're just watching from the outside. Um, Binge eating is like consuming unusually large amount of food in one sitting often or multiple sittings and feeling like you have zero say. You feel out of control. You make yourself quite literally sick to the point where you don't feel good. You don't want any more food. You don't understand why you're even doing this, but you keep doing it. That's what binge eating is. And so many people have binge eating patterns or behaviors and everyone, nearly everyone overeats from time to time, but binge eating is a disorder and it's more than overeating. Um, You feel so much shame and guilt after, and it just perpetuates the cycle. And for me, I believe that a large part of it is due to sugar addiction because sugar is immensely addicting. Um, I think I read that it's as addicting as cocaine. And when I start eating sugar, man, I am hooked. It's a psychological as much as it is a physiological response. And I don't, for me at least, think that a lot of my binge eating is due to emotional coping, although there is a component. But if you're so hooked on sugar... No matter what you're feeling, your body is going to want more sugar. So, I could be having a really great day, super happy, super preoccupied, yet I'm still thinking about that sugar. It's because it's a physical addiction. So, it starts off for me as emotional eating, and then my body quite literally becomes hooked and addicted to that dopamine uh, um, response that I'm getting with eating large amounts of food. That is just a nasty ass cycle. And If you feel like you have disordered eating, you're not alone because so many people do. And the biggest eating disorder is binge eating disorder, but the most deadly eating disorder is anorexia. So for me, somewhere in the middle with bulimia, I have a lot of things that I had to deal with as a consequence because of my bulimia. Um, My enamel on my teeth is all gone. Um... There's something called esophical vagus, vaguses. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's where you're throwing up constantly your stomach. It's just your internal organs really take a beating. So I had really bad gastrointestinal issues. I had horrible gastritis, acid reflux, and the taxing, tolling um, consequence that your body takes from gaining and losing weight, it's really not healthy for your heart um this is why oftentimes a lot of people with eating disorders anorexia in particular because your body begins to eat away at muscles your heart is a muscle and they'll have heart attacks their heart will stop beating so it's really serious um it's it's not a matter of willpower it is an addiction and people with eating disorders are sick i was so sick and when i was in my abusive relationship from 21 um that was a really bad time for my eating disorder because Many people with eating disorders develop them, as I said, a coping tool. Now, our coping strategies can be healthy or unhealthy, but they are all are a way of helping us in our minds. We think it's helping us get through a hard part of our lives. And that's why you'll see many people that have eating disorders dealt with some sort of trauma, early childhood trauma, especially sexual trauma, and we turn to food or not eating food as a way to deal with that. So there's so much that goes into, um, people that are overweight and are survivors of sexual trauma will often feel as if their fat, their extra weight is protecting them from being attacked from outside perpetrators and people that choose to restrict or not eat. It's a sense of control. Um, I can control what goes in my body. I can control this part of my life when all other parts of my life feel out of control. And I'd say my eating disorder was worse, the worst when I was a teenager and in my early 20s because so much of my life felt out of control. I was thinking about food 24/7. I was weighing myself three to five times a day. As someone that's recovery and recovery from an eating disorder, please throw out your scale. Don't even weigh yourself once a week, honey. Please fucking throw it out. Um, it's one thing to be healthy, it's another thing to oh, to justify it as I want to make sure I'm being healthy and then just using it as an excuse to see if your numbers are on point, to see if you're eating enough or you have to exercise more. Cause for me, there's no number on the scale that could ever make me feel good if I lost weight, if I stepped on the scale and I saw that I lost weight, it would just be a motivator that the unhealthy behaviors I was participating in were working and I had to keep them up. And if I didn't lose weight or if I gained weight, God forbid, I would feel like a total failure. And my entire worth and self-value was based around my weight. Um, I thought if only I could lose more weight, my boyfriend wouldn't abuse me. If only I was prettier, then this person wouldn't have rejected me. I based all aspects of my life on my appearance, not feeling pretty enough, not feeling thin enough, comparing myself to other women's bodies. And now the trend that seems to be taking place, I remember in the early 2000s, it was the fake boobs, super skinny look. Um, And now it's the fake butts, slim, thick fitness model look. And there's no shame if you look like that. Every person's born different, everyone looks different. But I was never born like that. I'll never look like that no matter what I do. All bodies are different and all bodies are perfect as they are and all bodies are beautiful. And it's really such a shame that our society only celebrates one type of body. We have to be thick, but we can't be too thick. We have to be curvy and have that hourglass figure and have to have a huge ass. And But our stomach has to be super small. And it's just so... I want to use the word pathetic is coming to mind. And this is why I would encourage you if you, even if you don't have an eating disorder, if you're struggling with comparing yourself to other people, lay off social media. And this is what I'm struggling with right now because I see these pictures of these women and I am so convinced that, oh, I bet Nick wishes he could be with a girl that looks like that. Like, come on, that's not helpful. And if you're doing the same thing, I'm right there with you, but we have to stop thinking we know what other people are thinking. We have to stop trying to be mind readers and just assuming a person thinks a certain way because we feel that way about ourselves. We project the way we see ourselves onto other people and automatically assume that that's what they're thinking about us as well. When in reality, we don't see ourselves the way other people see us. And I am so lucky that I... I'm in the place where I am right now where I feel I have more control. Um, Things very much do feel out of control in so many ways right now, but I'm not in the place where I was. I'm not in the place where I was when I was 20 years old. And I would go to the supermarket and spend $200 on bonbons and crumb cake, and I would just eat it all in one sitting. And there was points in my life where I was hiding food, I was stealing food, I was eating food out of the garbage. It was just an all-time low. Um, I was going to the bathroom and making myself vomit. And I just felt, I felt so small and I felt so invisible and I really hated myself and I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I just was so convinced that this cycle, this addiction, to having to work out to the point where I thought I was gonna pass out, where I thought that would never end. I truly can say that I 100% thought that it would never end. And I'm here to tell you today that for me, it did end. Yes, there are moments when I feel it triggered again and I'm engaging in more eating disorder behaviors, but for me, those days are less often than not. It's few and far between. And most of the time I feel I have the the power to control my behavior. And I may not always be able to control the thoughts that come into my mind. I do still have eating disorder thoughts from time to time. And sometimes I even had a thought the other day, I was like, ugh, I wish I wasn't so lazy so that I could make myself work out for five hours again. I wish I had more willpower and self-determination so that I could make myself throw up again. And then I just have to look at it from an outside perspective. And instead of criticizing myself for having that thought, I just try to laugh at it. And I try to tell myself and affirm, I'm not that person anymore. And I just have to observe it and let it go with compassion and be patient with myself. Because yes, there was a point in my life where I did have an eating disorder, but that's not me anymore. I'm not that person anymore. And I am very grateful for what that taught me. And a large part of what it taught me was body wisdom. And this goes hand in hand with our spirituality because we're all gifted with innate body wisdom. And body wisdom means connecting to the great intelligence of our bodies. Our bodies are our our friends our bodies are the vehicle in which we live this physical life. And our bodies are on our sides. They're meant to keep us safe. They're there to help us. And we so often take advantage of this. We so often ignore it. And we think our bodies are enemy. We think, why did I have to look like this? Why can I not have these love handles? Why can't my boobs be bigger? Why, why, why? We feel like our body betrays us. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true because God forbid something happened to us tomorrow and we didn't wake up the next day looking like we looked. For example, when I was in eating disorder treatment, one of my uh, therapists said, Lauren, I know you hate your legs, you wish that they were skinnier, you wish they didn't have cellulite, they didn't jiggle, but God forbid you were in a car accident and your legs were severed. My God, darling, you would be on your knees crying and begging for your legs. I guess I wouldn't really have knees, but you know what I'm saying. We take our bodies for granted and that's why a huge part of eating disorder recovery is body gratitude. And for me, it's been that body wisdom, listening to my intuition, not ignoring my gut feeling, acknowledging that my body speaks to me all of the time, And for me, the ability to sense and interpret my own body intelligence has been the most important, crucial tool that I've had in recovering from my eating disorder and staying recovered. It's our body communicating with us. And one of the most important arenas we can practice body intelligence in is by discerning what our body really wants to eat. Talking about sugar addiction, our bodies get so hooked on these processed fast foods. We have to detox from these foods, and then we will realize that our body craves whole foods, our body craves raw plant-based foods, foods from the earth, life-giving foods. Because the part of us that's addicted to sugar and salt and fat, all those processed foods, what we call dead food, um in the health coaching community, that is temporary pleasure. That's not giving our body energy. That's not nourishing our body. That's not making us feel good in the long term. Yes, it might make us feel good in the short term, but in the long term, our body craves vegetables. Our body craves real food, food that's alive, fruits, vegetables, Mm, complete proteins, quinoa, sweet potatoes, And one tool or one suggestion I can give you today is to become aware of the different cues of your body. When you're reaching for that Hershey bar, shift your habits away from eating and onto other experiences or foods if you truly are hungry that fulfill you. For me, one of the hardest things I've had to practice is, am I hungry right now or am I just searching for something to fill me? Because a lot of times when I'm engaging in disordered eating, it is because I feel empty. So we have to get in touch with our hunger signals and listen to what our body really, truly, deeply wants. Without the distractions, without the external stimulation, listen in, tune inward. And body wisdom isn't something that you just attain overnight. I'm still not there. It is a practice. It is something that we have to dedicate ourselves to. And it is possible. And we will get through this. Know that this is not permanent. This is temporary. It is a blip in your journey, but you will be that much stronger for overcoming it. So with that being said, to touch on what's going on with the National Eating Disorders Association, um, they're having a everybody to the seat everybody has a seat at the table, um, which I would sign up for. That is their motto. That's their mantra, um, mantra to get involved. If you would like to get involved this week. Um, so hashtag your post Nita awareness and log on to the national eating disorders.org to get involved, to collaborate. Um, if you need to get screened or contact the helpline, if you need know or love someone that is going through or has symptoms of an eating disorder, um, which can, if they have a constant rumination or perseveration obsession with their weight, what they look like, um, then please go on to the nationaleatingdisorder.org and you can contact the helpline and get resources in your community. So I think I will end this here. I will um, tag that link in the show notes. Let me know if you need any support during this time. Please feel free to reach out, share your stories, um, and let me know if this helped or resonated with you in any way. Uh, My strong warrior... It is okay. It is not your fault. It is all a learning curve and it's all part of your story. So thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, share, check out my Patreon. I also have a website coming for you to learn how to work with me, um, with blogs and my social media links and all that good stuff. Once again, thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a wicked day.